Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we are at season six now. That seems really weird to me. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beach. Oh, man, it's six. That, that's awesome. It's good. It's a good weird. Um, today, we kind of have a mixed bag here. Uh, so, obviously, BJ had some stuff come up, so he didn't get the episode into the feed for Best of the Rest. So, we're going to just do your top five and kind of skip honorable mentions. Um, and then I have a bunch of holiday geekery from... We basically took a month off between mm-hmm. you being out for a little bit, and then we had a couple weeks planned for a break. So, I just have this geekery that's been building up. So, I'm not going to get through nearly close to all of it this week. But I have a bunch of things that I'll start knocking down here, and then the rest I'll drag out over probably the next month yeah maybe even more than that given the amount of things that you end up doing i did i did do a bunch over break it was really nice to have time off for the first time since last year covid made for a very strange 2020 yeah it did especially with with the way your job works and just the the industry it was nuts so i'm i'm glad to see that this year's starting without a whole lot of hitches at least in uh, that kind of regard for you. Yeah. So I, I did want to do your best of the rest because those are right. always some of our favorites of the year. And we didn't get to talk through it this year just because stuff came up on your end. And we don't have to dig into that. But I do want to know your top five. And I know other people out there want to know your top five. So let's do that for our main topic. So the first thing that I had on mine, well, I guess the fifth thing that I had on mine was the Extra Life charity. Like I really wanted to mention that in the top five this year of just the favorite things that happened because Elenzia organized this and I know that Capsule J and Data Air and just a bunch of other people were involved in this as well but for the first time uh, geek to geek team put together a a I don't even want to know what, what it's called, like a fundraising goal, a collective goal, where uh, we wanted to raise like $500. And uh, Lindsay put it all together for streams and things like that. And we hit it this year. Like the first time that we had ever done anything like that and tried to do any charity streams, uh, it worked really, really, really well. And I am so excited to have been a part of something like that, because this is the first time as a network that we've put anything like that uh, together to try to organize it and like capsule j did a 10 hour super mario 64 marathon um we did two D live plays that we had streamed uh, that are available on youtube and uh i'm, I'm trying to think of Lindsay did some two-point hospital and stuff like that but just as a as a team over the course of it we have such a good community that we were able to raise over 500 dollars for extra life and like i can't not mention that because it was so awesome yeah that's amazing that's so cool and it's awesome that it's like a community thing too that made it on your list yeah, yeah. I mean, the community this year, just in general, like I really should say, like the the top five are people in general. Like it's uh, uh, the community, both in terms of the expanded team and the the people that we've grown from this podcast and others. And it has been nuts this year for the amount of growth that we had. Uh, like we. The website itself, just the number of articles on the website and the traffic grew 870% from and within a 12 month period. Like it was insane how much that part grew. And it's all the community. Like it's y'all are fantastic. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, and your number four is like directly community related too. 
It is. Like another team thing was that Data Error found a uh, Runkeeper Ekiden. I don't even know if I'm saying this correctly. It's a Japanese relay race that's the length of a marathon. Okay. And uh, Runkeeper, because they uh, everything got canceled last year, races, marathons, the Tokyo Marathon, the Olympics got, got put off, like all of the, the major like sporting events uh, that, that, that like we as a community tend to get into. They they got canceled, and so Data Error found the Runkeeper World Ekid in 2020. Um, it's it's a relay race that you do virtual legs with people, and uh, we put together a team. He put together a team, and we ended up doing that together, kind of being accountable to each other and making sure that we were able to train and get it done and uh, and run our legs like it was between 5K and 10K each. And, uh, you know, Data Error, me, Capsule J, uh, Steph Flowers, and Troidal Power all did it, and we ended up doing the length. So I was really, really happy about that because I got I did not end up training well enough and ended up having to walk mine instead of running most of it. And uh, I'd signed up for a 10K. So it was not easy for me because I'm very out of shape right now. But I was like, I'm not letting this team down like they put this together. They did this. And uh, so it was it actually felt really good for all of us to finish uh, doing that. So like the community is a big part of the things that worked this year. And uh, I can't. Like, it's awesome. Y'all are awesome. Super cool. And then number three for me was Mandalorian season two. Like you probably have this somewhere in your uh, I do your your list. Like you know I don't listen to things. And uh, no, so, <laughs> so when when I recorded mine, um, the season was still like midway through the season, and I felt like it hadn't really kicked off. So I put it as an honorable mention. But you know, it probably would have made it into my top five after it wrapped up because I really liked it after I think it was like episode four where it finally hooked me. And then all the way through the end of the season, I loved it. Yeah, I can't remember if it was episode three or four that really hooked me, but uh, because there were a couple where I was like, okay, this is good. I loved the first one. The second one was like, okay, Uh, I think the third one was with Frog Lady. um, That sounds right. And and Jennifer latched onto Frog Lady. And I call her that, like, I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. Like, she's billed as Frog Lady. Like, that's her name in the credits of, <laughs> of The Mandalorian. So, like, uh, I liked that. And it was about episode four or five that really got me there. And m- the rest of the season was just phenomenal. It, it went away from what I wanted it to be a little bit. Like, it started being more Star Wars-y Mandalorian than season one really was, but it was really, really, really good. Like, I love some of the stuff they did, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do in season three, but uh, I really wish they had stuck a little bit more with the distance from the Skywalker saga and the, uh, the the mainline narrative that we know. I wanted them to do that. Maybe season three is getting back to that now that they've basically set up for spinoffs, uh, I think is what season two had a lot of uh, individual elements that let them set up for spinoffs. They did a lot of spinoff setup and then they did a lot of just... I don't know. I I felt like it had to get to this at some point where it was going to tie back into the movies and the narrative that we know just because of the time period that it's in. So I knew it was going to happen at some point. I just wanted them to execute it well. And I think they did. Um, I do agree with you that I hope season three gets more into some of the like Mandalorian stuff, some of the Mandalore and Bo-Katan. And, you know, there's directions they could go there that are less along the lines of the main Skywalker narrative. And I think that's probably for the best. But 
you could tell that it was going to intersect with some of that storytelling at some point, and I'm really happy with how they did it. And, like, I don't know how much of a spoilery thing, like, this will be, so, you know, forward 30 seconds if you even remotely don't want to know this, just passing thought, but... I think that I don't know if I've talked to you about this because of everything that's crazy going on, but I think Bo-Katan is going to be the villain in season three. Ooh, that'd like, be interesting. I, the way that they've shot her, if you go back and watch the finale, the way that they have shot her throughout the entire thing, the body language, the camera work, she's totally the villain. Like by the time it got through again after I've rewatched it, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what's happening in season three here. That uh, that they're they're really. Uh, they're really going to play up that rivalry and make her be the antagonist. Yeah. And uh, tying into all of that, like my birthday was last Friday. And uh, so, woo, 38, I'm old now. Uh, but I woke up and Jennifer always likes to make sure no matter what, even if she orders something that uh, has doesn't come in yet, that we always have something to open on our birthdays. And so she asked me if I when I wanted my present. And I was like, yeah, now. And so I got out of bed and she was standing in the hallway and she just went, you have to fight me for the for the throne of Mandalore and hit the button. And she got me a dark saber. Like, I didn't know they had made uh, I didn't know they had made these toys, but like the plastic lightsabers, they had made a dark saber. And so I had to run up and like punch her and take it from her to be able to get my present. So it's like she's she's awesome. Uh, so I thought I thought that was really cool to tie into the Mandalorian. It's like I play with my dark saber all the time. That's super cool. No, I'm glad you liked it so much. And I really liked the season by the end of it, even if I was a little unsure in the first couple episodes. But yeah, it was it was solid all the way through season two. Well, I'm, I'm kind of still... surprised what made it to number two on your list. I would not have guessed that this was going to be on here. I know. I know. When I was thinking of through all of this, all the stuff that was going on, uh, when I was like, what has been what has brought like uh, to think about Marie Kondo here for a second? What actually brought joy to me this year? Like very little joy existed in 2020 in most people's lives. And the last month of 2020 was awful. Like we had so many family emergencies. You know, my father in law passed away right before Christmas. And so like we were living and going between their house in Tennessee in our house in Alabama and like just everything, which is only about 30, 35 minutes. So don't let me make that about, about make that out to be worse than it is. But it, it was still, you know, a lot of driving multiple times a day. And one of the only things that could get me to smile and actually feel better was listening to the adventure zone while I drove. And I don't have a commute anymore. I haven't been going out and running like I did uh, listening to it initially. But I put on the Adventure Zone because I knew all the time that this was something that made me happy before. And even during this like incredibly, incredibly dark time, the Adventure Zone was making me laugh. And I looked forward to being able to get in the car and drive to be able to listen to the McElroys do whatever ridiculous things they were doing. And so now I couldn't not put it on there because I've I'm almost done with the balance arc. I have one more arc. I'm in that uh, second lunar interlude that leads into the very final part. And uh, so I'm really excited to see what's going on. But for the joy that it brought me and literally sometimes being the only highlight of a day. Yeah. It's the second it's number two for sure. And I I've avoided actual play stuff for a long time. And the adventure zone is just too good. Not to, not to listen to. I'm glad you finally got into it. I knew 
if you could get over the first arc of it, you would get into it. I just didn't know when that was going to be. And it's like it finally clicked for you. Well, it had clicked before, but I stopped listening to it when I started. I think I started listening to uh, The Wheel of Time is what did it. What made me stop is I got the uh, the audiobook of it and I stopped in the Pedals to the Metal arc for uh, Adventure Zone. And I think that's the third storyline they do maybe and yeah, it might right. be the second and but i stopped in the middle of it because it that is my least favorite one that they did and when i started back i basically powered through it and the rest of it has been phenomenal like it is just so good and i cannot wait to see what is happening in this last arc as they tie it up and i have one question for you that you can tell me with and it's not a spoilery thing okay these characters that they're playing don't tell me what happens to them I do not want to know what happened to Merle Taco and, and Magnus, but I want to know like in the other, in the other storylines, are they continuing the world that they set up with the balance arc and these characters, or are they completely new like adventures and characters and worlds that they rolled up? No, the other each season is a completely different like world and they've changed systems a couple times and it's new characters and stuff like that. So they, okay they do return to the same world for some of their live shows. So that's always cool to do like a one shot okay. in it. Um, so that balance world that they created, they do do live shows there later. Yeah, you said doo-doo. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, they, they do live shows there, but that's about it after that arc. Okay. So it really does have a good ending to it. I'm being careful. Cool. I'm, that's why I'm talking slowly. I don't want to spoil anything. Right, right. And that's why I was just curious, because I didn't know if they actually kept in that world or did other stuff, because I thought I'd remembered you telling me they tried different different systems. Yeah, And they so do. I'm, I'm excited to see how they do with those, because actually part of this is loving the way he DMs. And so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they tie that into different systems as well. So I like listening to learn. And so for me, number one this year, though, well, last year, I guess, uh, the the outside of the Adventure Zone bringing me joy at the end of the year, the highlight of my year started by being able to see Hamilton live on stage in Nashville. Nice. Like, it's hard to believe that was still 2020. It's hard yeah. to believe that was how the year started because it really feels like, honestly, I know it's overdone, but it really feels like it was a couple of years ago before I was, you know, going to the theater and seeing Hamilton, like being in public and that crowded of a space. Like it does honestly feel like it was longer than that, but it was just January. And that was a highlight. I mean, being able to finally see something that uh, you got me into years ago that I love so much. And finally, like it being one of the last times I would have had the opportunity for who knows how long because now with broadway and traveling shows and everything being so up in the air there's no telling when i would be able to see it uh so i'm very happy that i was able to get tickets and see uh see hamilton in nashville at t-pack like that was by far the best thing that happened last year yeah that does feel like a lifetime ago but you're right no i'm glad that you got that in this year and it was still a highlight yeah, like that was that was the highlight, um, you know, but but honestly, you know, uh, thinking about the Adventure Zone, just like I said, the happiness that it brought me, that one is still right up there. Like I really almost put Hamilton at number two and the Adventure Zone is number one because of how happy it made me. That's good. I mean, that's right. I'm glad that both of them brought you such joy when you yep. needed it yeah and then there's also and i haven't played it i just want to mention it like there's an adventure zone board game that just got released like yeah, last I week saw that. 
I bought the collector's edition of it because I was, you know, it, yeah, they, I saw it being announced, uh, like, right, or at least going up for sale, like, last sale or whatever it was before they released it uh, by the company on Twitter. And I was like... I love this thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play it, and it really looks like a fun game. I can't wait to get to play it. Uh, that's not part of you know my best things of the year, but I'm excited because it ties in. You gotta let me know how it is once you play it, because if it's good, yeah. I will pick it up. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, I have a bunch of geekery, but before that, don't forget we're part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the geekery blog, like BJ mentioned in his best of the rest. Uh, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com, or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent to you. So you don't have to go to it. It's very convenient. Um, and then don't forget we have a digital magazine called Press Start, which I never know the latest, but you always do. What's going on with that? We did a holiday issue last time. We kind of combined November and December into holiday memories uh, of games and things like that. It was great. Um, it started to come out right when everything in my world crashed. So, uh, Elenzia, Steve, uh, Mr. Alarm, and uh, Data Error and Troidal Power all just came together and put together a fantastic issue uh, for everybody. So, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and uh, check that out. And then this month, we're doing doing a uh, like wellness and uh, healthy games kind of thing on how games have helped us live better lives. So uh, y'all check that out again at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast Awesome. Uh, and that brings us to Geekery. So I know you don't really have anything this week because like you said, you've been busy dealing with lots of stuff. Yeah. I have tons. I have tons. So I think I have three <laughs> or four pages of holiday notes. I'm just going to talk for a little bit until I feel like I talk too much and then we'll wrap up the show. So that's fair. I tried to order these of like the importance of timeliness of when I should get to them. So we'll see if that worked out. Um, but to kick things <laughs> off, I, I want to mention that Friends at the Table, it was one of my best of the rest things for this year, the partisan season. Since right. that episode, since I recorded that, over break, I went back and I listened to literally the entire backlog of Friends at the Table, which is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of content. And I really like it. Um I partisan got me like in the headspace to enjoy them as a group and to understand the way that they are collaborative storytellers, not in the way that like most other live plays that I listen to. There's a GM or a DM and they're trying to get you through right. their story. And yeah, you have influence on the world, but you know, like the DM or the GM is really leading you through this world. And Friends at the Table doesn't do that. Like, yeah, Austin Walker, he has a world, but they just have this collaborative storytelling ethos at their core that they all they all just buy into it and so it's not like listening to other live plays and it took me so many seasons to get there and i got there with partisan but once it clicked in my head i was able to go back to the very beginning and listen to literally everything so i've listened to the whole backlog now and then i went and i supported their patreon and so now i'm getting their bonus feed and i'm going back through all of that which is more hundreds of hours and i just love it i i think friends of the table is fantastic and i love listening to it i'm really curious about this one too because i've started listening to critical role as well uh as well as the adventure zone and part of it that i like on that one is, is and i do actually i will say that i like the uh like critical role now for a couple of reasons but one of the big things is the collaborative storytelling part of it like it really is him opening it up and then him reacting the gm reacting to what they're deciding to do with whatever it is and so the way that you describe friends at the table that might be something that i want to get into because of that element uh because it's something i want to learn how to do as well i'm super interested in it 
yeah it's it's really cool for that kind of thing um if you're interested in a good sample of that they have something that they call the road to season six so season six is partisan and they put this out in their main feed they didn't do it for every season but they put it in their main feed for season six leading to partisan it might actually be labeled the road to partisan in that feed and they play a series of one-shot games where they are working together to build the world before they ever play in the world and that was Hmm. one of the coolest things that i've listened to because some of them are like these really focused narrow stories that aren't even at the same place in the timeline and other games that they play are these huge era encompassing we're going to make the entire history and backstory of the world together and it was just so cool to listen to all of that and then when you listen to them while they're in the middle of a live play they're really good at like handing it over to people so like if um i'm thinking about uh not partisan season but one of the fantasy seasons they have a character that's a bard who is from the archives and anytime something comes up about the archives the gm doesn't just say okay here's what happens or here's who that character is or here's what that looks like he'll turn towards the character that's from the archives and say what does that look like or what would that entail Uh or what character is this like they really give each other authorship in really interesting ways so yeah i'm i'm just a huge fan of it at this point so i just wanted to i guess fangirl out a little bit more before i drop (laughs) that yeah. And and that's something that not every game or party would be able to do is be able to throw it to one of the players and have them be able to create something on the fly like that or have, you know, even talked about it previously. So that's that's something that I'm really impressed by that they would be able to do. Yeah, they're extremely impressive. Um, So outside of listening to that, and I wanted to put that up front because I was kind of listening to that in the background while I was playing tons and tons of games. So (laughs) here's some of the games. Um, I went (laughs) back to Astro's Playroom and I got a platinum on it. The it's really fun. I think that game's great. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where in January, I always kind of second guess some of my placement for my games of the year list. I yeah. might have moved Astro's Playroom into the top five if I had to wow. played as much of it. Like it was that good. Um, the the speed run that it's like time trials. Those were really fun. Um, they have these competitive activity cards for those. And I want them in more games now. It has to be a game that fits it. But like seeing that, oh, hey, my friend just beat my time or hey, I can hit one button from the PS5 dashboard and instantly be into this challenge, like trying to beat my previous time with like no loading time. It just it makes it frictionless, right? Like all of these competitive bite size like competition things in the past it was always well let me load up the game let me sign into my thing let me go into the this mode that i need let me go find the exact challenge like it's just all this friction and the activity cards on ps5 completely eliminate that friction and just get you right into the action of doing the challenge and so there were a couple times where actually Austin and I went back hmm. and forth on the leaderboard for one or two of the different uh, speedrun time trials. And I always loved seeing when he beat my time because I would be like, no, I'm going to go in there and beat him again. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you knew that that was happening in the background, but I enjoyed that a lot. I knew that he was doing the leaderboard stuff. I knew that he had he never mentioned that it was you specifically with stuff like that. But uh, I knew that he was enjoying it so much that he actually did the same thing as you and ended up going and platinuming the thing. So I I think it's hilarious that uh, you both fell into it and literally were going head to head with it. 
Oh, yeah, it was great. Like, I would love more things like this from PlayStation or just on PS5. So we'll see in the future what they do. I think, you know, in hindsight, this probably would have been my number six game of the year. So probably not quite on my top five, but it would have been close, like a lot closer than I thought when I did my honorable mentions for the year. Um, And then I went back and I played more Miles Morales and I got Mm. uh, platinum on that, too. So I started my you have to do an entire new game plus playthrough. So I didn't know if I would platinum it, but I started new game plus one afternoon and I literally did the entire second playthrough that afternoon. So it turns out. Yeah, it turns out that the second playthrough on new game plus is actually pretty fast once you have end game abilities and if you just mainline the crit path because i didn't need to see any of the side activities because i had done all of those like i had 100 percent of the game already so i just went through and i i did the entire second playthrough of the game in one afternoon and got a platinum on it wow i didn't realize you had done i didn't realize you had done it so quickly like in one afternoon i knew that you had told me you platinumed it which i was like oh my goodness you went and did the new game plus what and so it was i didn't realize it was one afternoon but yeah the game is fairly short if you just do that uh so i'm i'm glad to hear that because it makes me more likely to go back and play it because of seeing it with jennifer playing it uh it's more likely for me to do it knowing that you can go through it fairly quickly yeah it was fun um i also checked out rocket arena which was free on ps plus and it might still be right now but it was for at least a month in there it was more fun than i expected you know it has fairly simple mechanics um but i tried it because it was like free to play and actually i should ask do you know what this game is uh i know vaguely what it is i saw it and i don't honestly remember i think i snagged it but i don't i know i didn't I know that I didn't install it, but I think I put it on there because it was free. So it is a third person shooter and right. it's like every projectile in the game is basically a rocket. So it's kind of like <laughs> like rocket uh, launchers used to be in like very old school games, you know, where they're slow traveling. You actually have time to react to them. But every character yep. has rockets with different properties. So one of the guys I ended up liking has very big, slow rockets that hit super hard. But some people have super fast rockets that rapid fire, but they don't do a lot of damage. Or some people's just knock you back farther. And the way you get points in the game is not like depleting a health bar and knocking somebody out. You instead fill up their blast gauge. And once it gets full all the way, if you get one more hit on them, they will get knocked out of the arena and you'll get a point. So it's almost oh, like cool. Smash Brothers in that way, where you're trying to knock them out of the level, except it's a third person shooter. So it's it's not like even though it's rockets and even though it's like kind of competitive, um, it's totally family friendly. Like my son and I sat down and played this game together for like an afternoon or maybe two afternoons in a row. And, you know, it was really good for like a free to play game. I don't think I would pay the whatever $30 it was at launch or whatever it is these days. I don't know if it's fully free to play or if you have to be on PS Plus or something to get it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But I did see it's on Game Pass also. So if you run into Rocket Arena and you see it on PS Plus for free or Game Pass for that you've already paid for, grab it and just check it out for like 15 minutes and you'll quickly be able to see what it is. Yeah, that it sounds cool. It sounds like something that I would like to at least try out because that's kind of what I did with Rocket League with the cars, you know, the the soccer with cars yeah, yeah. that I I saw it like super cheap and I'd seen uh Bobby uh 13th story playing it a lot and so I was like I'll go ahead and try this and it turns out that that's something that you can hop in and out of and have fun and then go do something else. That sounds what like Rocket Arena is as well, something that I would like doing like that. 
Yeah, and you know that's what I kind of found myself doing for a week or two is I would play like one or two rounds of it, and then I would put it down for the day and do something else. But it was like a palate cleanser, and it was really easy to jump into and out of. So that was cool. Um, I put a bunch of time into Fuser, which I don't think I talked about at all. Like I don't think I had played I don't it think so when we did our games of the year. Um, this is another one that it probably wouldn't have made my top five, but it would have been just under it. This game is just, it's sweet. It's so cool. Um, you know, you mix music on the fly and it always sounds good and amazing. And it's like, this is a game that literally feels like magic with how amazing it is at making the music that you put together sound good. Um, hmm. You know, it's it's the same technology that they had from Drop Mix, that physical card game with the NFC chips, and you'd connect like a smart device to it. Um, I don't but, know that one, no. Oh, okay. So it's, well, it's Harmonix, right? It's the same people that did Guitar Hero and Rock Band and all of those games. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so this one gives you four different like tracks, essentially, and you can grab um, four different pieces of audio from any song in the collection. So you could grab vocals from smash mouth and you could grab like the drum beat from all-star and you can grab you know katie perry's violin this is literally something Hmm. that i do um and you can like you just grab different instruments from different songs that you know and it will put them together and it always sounds good somehow like whatever music magic they're doing behind the scenes is just amazing so it's like one of the coolest music games that i've ever seen it feels like magic in a way that is just indescribable. And there's so much control over the music. If you want it, you know, you can change the BPM, you can change the key, or you can just be like me and hit the button that makes that's like, hey, optimize these things because I don't know music the way that you do right. game engine. And it will and it'll make it sound better. Um, and all of that is like there's a whole campaign that I barely touched. I think I did the first like three or four like sections of it or chapters or i don't even remember how it's divided up but i just spent hours and hours in freestyle mode so i probably put like 20 hours into this game just messing around in freestyle and in the end the reason why it wouldn't crack my game is the year list but that i still think is magical is just that i don't know how much of this is like game versus it feels like a music like creation tool and less of a game to me does that make sense? That's actually what I was going to ask. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because I'm sitting here listening and I'm like, this sounds really awesome, but how is it a game? Like, yeah. I don't understand the gameplay because I'm seeing in my mind, because I didn't actually look this one up when you said it like I usually do. It's I'm seeing like Garage Band and then listening to music. So like, what is the actual gameplay like that, you know, the win lose kind of thing? So do your thing, Google it and watch a quick video while I'm talking like you normally do. Um, So you can actually (laughs) see the tracks and the way that it works. So the game part of it is you get points for if you're in the campaign, you get points for doing different things. Um, Often it's fulfilling a request. So maybe someone's like, oh, I want two different percussion lines in here. So you have to like make sure you have two sets of percussion out of your four tracks that are running. Sometimes somebody will say, hey, I want a pop song. You got to mix in a pop song or I want a song from the 80s. And you have to fulfill their requests fast enough. And then the other thing is keeping a combo going by dropping it on the beat or dropping it on a good insert place for that track and they show you as you're like holding them and like waiting to drop them they show you when a good drop would be and 
that part is gamified but the thing is that's in the main campaign and the more i played of the main campaign the more it made me want to just go do freestyle because it's so much more fun to just find a cool song and mess with it and the okay. thing that kind of yeah. sucks about campaign and like the gamified portion of it is that you might just be fulfilling requests and kind of trying to keep up with it and get a combo going but you'll find a really cool song like a really cool mix and you're like this is awesome and when you find that in freestyle you can just kind of like sit there and enjoy it and like groove to it and maybe you save it maybe you take a snapshot maybe you start tweaking things a little bit but you can enjoy it and when you're in campaign you can't just sit and enjoy it because there's always oh here's the next prompt here's the next challenge here's the next thing so i don't actually think that it works super well as a game in the campaign but i do think it is an amazing music creation tool yeah, and the way that you were talking about it made me think like it was a DJ booth kind of thing, like the way that the you know, mix and that's exactly what it is. Like I'm watching this and listening to it, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is neat. This is something that I would like to play myself uh, because just listening in the background, it's like they dropped some Lady Gaga in in this video, had Billie Eilish and then some Lizzo, and I'm like, man, I like this. And you're talking, I'm like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, let's do this. So I'm yeah. probably going to check that out sometime. So I think it's a game that is going to stay installed on my computer probably forever. But it's not a game where I'm going to go and play the gaminess of it very often. It's just whenever I feel like I'm in a music mood and I want to go mess around right. with it, I'll spend an hour or two in it. Um, so again, I, I think it's a better music experience and music creation tool than it is a game. But it's still magic in what it does. So Fuser definitely needs a shout out here. Um I played more Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I beat the game. Um, it's a really good podcast game, but I would not, even though I beat it. Okay, hang on. I should say this first. I put 83 hours into this game. Like, okay, that's a lot. It's a lot. And even after that, I beat the game. I'm nowhere close to platinum on that game. Nowhere close. It would probably hmm. take another 60 hours to platinum that game if I wanted to. My goodness. It is ridiculous. Um, you know, and... It does feel like the end of the Layla trilogy. She's like the main character outside of the Animus for the last okay. two games and then this one. And it frees up the possibility space to do some new meta storylines in the future, which I like because I keep liking the meta narrative a lot of the time better than the actual narrative of like the characters in the game. I like yeah. the Animus stuff and the crazy alien things and the world destroying consequences and like, give me more of that. Like, I, I like that kind of thing. Um, but the game itself... It was on my honorable mentions for the year, and even after beating it, even after 83 hours with the game, it wouldn't make my top five if I were to go back and, mm. you know, reassess it right now. And it's because it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's an Assassin's Creed game, and it's exactly what I expected, and it was perfect for zoning out and listening to audiobooks and listening to friends at the table, and I didn't really have to pay attention that much except for some of the, like, main story scenes where I would pause my podcast, but... You know, this was a fantastic podcast game where I could just do it as a background activity and like, you know, go and get all the map things. It's a map game through and through. Um, yeah. So it's not bad. And I, you know, if it was someone's game of the year, I could see how it would be like some people just love open world games and sometimes the right setting or the right gameplay gets you. But for me, it kind of felt like, yep, it's another Assassin's Creed. It's exactly what I thought. No surprises. And that's not bad, but it just means that it wouldn't like crack the novelty for me to be a game of the year yeah now i can absolutely see that i'm glad that it didn't turn out bad 
Like, that's one of those things. I'm glad it didn't turn out a game like Red Dead Redemption 2, where you kept playing it and you kept playing it and you never had fun while you played it. And so I was kind of afraid that the way that you had talked about Valhalla, that might be where you landed with it. So I'm really glad that it wasn't another RDR2. No, and it wasn't. You know, and there were points of it where I really had a lot of fun with it. And there were points of it where I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of going through the motions. But overall, it was basically what I expected. Um, And we have we still have a little bit of time so i'll grab one more in here before we wrap up um immortals phoenix rising just because it kind of goes hand in hand with valhalla and it this game i don't know man like i am (laughs) i am less impressed than i expected to be with immortals phoenix rising the the core gameplay is what i expected like it sits almost halfway between assassin's creed and breath of the wild and i thought i would love it like everything about this game told me that i would really like it and i just don't like it's a little too simple for me um it feels like it's in a lot of ways it feels and that's i'm about to say something that makes it sound diminutive but like baby's first open world game you know Mm, yeah Um, and it's not it's not for babies that's not what i mean but it's like a (laughs) it's an onboarding game to open worlds you know i think this would be a really good onboarding game if you've never tried an open world before or for kids like i could probably give this one to either of my kids and they would you know probably get onboarded into open worlds pretty well um it also didn't help that I wasn't a huge fan of the look and feel of the game and especially Hmm. coming off of some of the amazing looking like PS5 games that I've been playing. This just felt like the graphics were really simplified, like in a weird kind of low budget way. You know, when you do um, low budget graphics, but you stylize them and it makes it like this game's amazing, even though technically the graphics aren't up to stuff. This is like the opposite like they had budget, (laughs) but they just didn't style it. And it just it, it looks worse than it should in my eyes um and then i could see that but i liked the graphics of it like i thought that the colorful cartoony graphics worked for the game um but i absolutely see it being simple as an open world game like the gameplay never grabbed me through the demo that i played but i like the way the story is told yeah and i thought that the story would be cool because they have these two unreliable narrators and they go back and forth and sometimes it radically shifts like what's going on in the middle of you doing it because the narrators disagree and at the first hour or two i was like this is amazing this is hilarious i like this storytelling and then by like hour three or four i was like this cuteness is extremely annoying and i'm starting to get frustrated with it as a storytelling mechanism so it wore thin for me um and in the end i think it's just that like it's not a bad game, but it's not for me. You know, I probably put five hours into it and like I reserve the right to revisit the game later if the mood strikes me, maybe, maybe. Um, but I, I just I don't know if I'm the target demographic or if there's something about this game that just doesn't click with me. Um, but yeah, it just ultimately didn't work for me. And I'm kind of sad about that. And I'm also kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, both of them, because it, I could definitely see you liking this game, but I don't think there was any way it was ever going to be a top game of the year for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I'm not going to get into it yet because I am still in the middle of playing it and I want, I, I need to finish my thoughts before I bring it onto the podcast, but I don't want to end on a negative note. I didn't intend to do Immortals right at the end. Um, so I will say that I'm playing Demon's Souls on PS5, the remaster. And I have never been into a Souls-like game as much as I'm into this one. And I finally see the appeal. 
and I'm probably, I don't know, 15 hours invested into the game, and I just love it. It is amazing, and I see it, and I get it, and that game is fantastic in a lot of ways. Um, I need to spend a little bit more time with it, but I will report back in the next couple weeks here on Demon's Souls. Yeah, because I'm really curious because you've never really liked that kind of game before. So the fact that you've been texting me like, this game is really fun, I like this, is really uh, kind of uh, messing with me. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm going to finish this one. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but like every time I've walked away from a Dark Souls game or Bloodborne or Sekiro, I always felt like... I wasted my time or I wasted my money and I've walked away feeling right. bad. And right now where I'm at with Demon's Souls, I'm hitting the point where I don't know if I'm going to progress much further, but I finally see what appeals to people. I finally get the core loop to the game and I have enjoyed my time and the challenge of it so much that I feel like I've finally had a breakthrough with like what people love about this type of game. So I need to get my thoughts together a little bit more than that before I report back, but I wanted to end on a positive note. So I will say Demon's Souls on PS5 is really, really good. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I know I don't like that kind of game. That's not the kind of game play that I like, but I've heard really good things about this one. So I'm glad to know that even for you that it was that good. It was. It totally was. So, okay, there. I still have like three and a half pages of geekery, but we'll keep picking away at that over the next <laughs> month or so. Um, that's probably it for tonight. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all of the other content we have on the network, like blogs and video game reviews. And like we mentioned earlier, our digital magazine, Press Start. And I would say there, too, especially because it's the first one of the season and a lot of people listen to these, um, we've moved more and more over to Discord. So if you are in Slack and you haven't looked at the Discord in a while, you might want to take a look because people are very active over there. It's true. The Discord community has kind of blown up, and uh, we were talking about that today. So, uh, yeah, check it out. We're adding a lot of channels and doing a lot more stuff, even having weekly game groups uh, for, like, Among Us on Steam. So check it out. And that's all organized through Discord. Yeah. Uh, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Man, six seasons. Woo! When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. 
Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 